0: Last year, I decided that I wanted to preach a series of lessons on the Minor Prophets. That is those books found from Hosea through Malachi. I've been reading from the prophets and realized how current what they described was in comparison to our society today. And so over the past two years, I have covered a number of the Minor Prophets, And tonight I would like for us to take the prophet Haggai, tonight and Lord willing next Sunday night, and for us to talk about the message that is found. And tonight's lesson is going to be the call to build. In order for us to appreciate this, I want to begin with an illustration to prompt thinking on your part. So as we begin this part, I want you to think about yourself And I want you to think about what you would do in this given circumstance. Imagine a devastating tornado comes through our area. And not only does your home get destroyed, but also the church meeting house, the building here. And you think about the kind of devastation that would occur to you personally. The things that you would lose. The things that you would want to have in rebuilding. And I want you to think about the loss that would be experienced by the Lord's church in the losing of this place to meet. What would your priority be? And I can almost imagine everyone would say, well, we meet in the church building two or three times a week, but I have to live in my home. I have to have a a place for us to sleep have to have a place for us to eat, a place to take care of my family. Do you suppose now that you would be exhausted and weary both mentally and physically and financially from the debris removal, from the construction, from all that was involved? Now you you just mull that in your mind. You've got to build your house You've got to have a place to live. Would you be tired? Would you feel worn out? And now it's time to build the Lord's house again. When would be the right time to get busy? Would it be when you have completed your house and you've had everything completely replaced, everything just right? Maybe you even got your lawn now settled. When will be the right time for us to begin to build the Lord's house, to build this building? You see, the prophets of old had some powerful lessons that can be applied today. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 11, Paul puts it simply after in verses 1 through 10, explaining how there is a parallel between Old Testament Israel and the New Testament church. He says, now these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. The reason why you and I study the Old Testament is not because we live under the rules, the regulations of that Old Testament, but because we go back there and we can learn lessons that apply. In Romans 15, and verse 4, Paul would put it like this. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You see, I study that so I can have hope for my future as well. But let me just very briefly tell you what the book of Haggai is about. The book of Haggai is about a man, a prophet, who was called to tell the people, you need to rebuild the temple of God. And so we look at the Old Testament temple, and we say, is there a parallel? Is there a New Testament correspondent? And yes, it is. The church is the temple of God. I could pick out a number of passages. I just only chose three. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17, he says, Do you not know that you, plural, you people are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy which temple you are. When you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, he says, In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk with them among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. But the passage I like perhaps the best is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through twenty-two. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What Paul is saying is is that we, the church, are the temple of the living God. And if God looks at the children of Israel under Haggai and says, you need to build the temple, what would God be saying to us today? You need to build the church. So there is a parallel for us Within this. So here's what we're going to do as we study chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2 is going to be the background, and there's some wonderful details that could be derived from that. Then we're going to look at the burden in verses 3 through 11. The burden means the message that he had. And then finally, we're going to look at the blessing. In verses 12 through 15. So we'll study this chapter tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, keep them open there to the book of Haggai. Let's look at first of all verses 1 and 2. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. I want to read again that last verse so that we get it. The people says the time has not come the time that the Lord's house should be built. If you want to look at the period of time in which this appears, Haggai is very, very precise. He will tell you that we will date it to Darius. And he says it is his second year, his sixth month, and the first day of the month. And you know, there's not a lot of places where you can pinpoint to the very day. But this was... August the 29th, 520 B.C. You know what day this is. So he is he is receiving a message, and the significance of that is the children of Israel returned from the captivity in 536 B.C., 16 years earlier. That's important. The Davidic ruler, the reason why I say David's family ruler is... Zerubbabel is because when I go to Matthew chapter 1, I see he's in the lineage of Christ going back to David. He says, and they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah, son of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begat Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begat Abide, and Abide begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor. You see, he is one of the Davidic line of these rulers. There was the devoted high priest whose name was Joshua. Now, sometimes we read these names and we don't think a whole lot about them. But you go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, and there's a connection here. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Visualize with me, if you will. Here's Joshua. Joshua. And you've got the angel of the Lord, possibly our Lord Jesus Christ. You have got Satan standing before him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and said, or spoke to those who stood before him, saying... Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. You say, What's the significance of that? Here you have a man put in a position and God has chosen him. He says, we're going to clean this man up. Joshua is a good high priest, cleansed, holy, ready to serve God. But there's a problem. You've got Zerubbabel. You've got Joshua. Joshua you got King Darius, who just happens to be the third king since the children of Israel have returned from captivity. And you see, Zerubbabel, when he came back, did something. He laid the foundation for the temple. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that I am the Lord of hosts, has sent me to you. Now, um, here's a man who laid the foundation. You know, it's, it's what you're going to build upon. That was 536 B.C. Now he's the guy who's also going to finish it. And it's 16 years later. The people quit building. They stopped. Now, I know what's probably going through your mind. The reason why these people stopped after they had laid the foundation in five thirty six, was because they were so busy building their own houses and they were so busy doing everything else. That's part of it. But oh, there's so much more to it. If you go to Ezra chapter four, verses one through five, Ezra describes a situation. Here's what he says. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and have sacrificed him since the days of Ursa Haddon, the king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the rest of the heads of the fathers, the houses of Israel, said to them, You may do nothing with us to build the house of the Lord our God, but we alone will build the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of the Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah they troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus king of Persia even until the reign of Darius king of Persia. Now here's something I learned. When they started, these Gentiles, these uncircumcised people said, we want to be a part of this. And Zerubbabel and Joshua, Joshua said No. You're not a part of us. You're not God's people. And so, well, if you're not going to let us be a part of it, we're going to try to frustrate you. And so for 16 years, they frustrated them. I want you to imagine that tornado comes through. It destroys your house. It destroys this church building. But you say, okay, we're going to build the church building. back." We come and, and the foundation is laid. And now, every time you come to work, and try to work on this building, someone comes and says, oh, you haven't met this code. You haven't met that code. Uh, we're going to hire counselors who's going to come out and they're going to throw rocks at the people who are working. And you say, like, we can't get anything done. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. That's not all. When you go to Zechariah chapter 8, and verse 10, for before these days there were no wages for man nor any hire for beast. There was no peace from the enemy for whoever went out or came in, for I set all men, everyone against his neighbor. They were broke. They came back from the captivity as you would imagine. They walked in and the buildings are destroyed. They came back and they didn't have any money and they're building their houses. And how are you going to build the Lord a house? You see, you get a little bit bigger picture here. They didn't question the legitimacy of rebuilding. It's only, it's not the time. It's not the right time. It's not a convenient time. And so Acts 24 verse 25, just like Felix said, he said, answered and the phrase, said, go away now when I have a more convenient time time, I'll call for you. You see, here's the problem they have. The Lord's house is not being built. They have people working against them at every turn. They are people who are having a hard time financially doing things. And they just say, it's not the right time. Do you remember the scenario that I began with? You say, okay, we've got to get our houses built. And now the church building needs to be built. When's the right time to get busy? So that's going to bring us to part two. Let's look at verses three through 11. The burden. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much, but bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood. And build of the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I have called for a drought on the land, and on the mountains, on the grain, and on the new wine, and on the oil, and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men, and on livestock, and on the labor of your hands. You see the word burden is used in chapter 1, verse 1. And it means an oracle. It means a message to the people. God's got a message to you. And here's what his message says. What are your priorities? Now, I want you to think carefully about what he said here because he, he says, is it time for you to live in paneled houses? Now I want you to look at the walls here. It's a good illustration right here at the front. You see at the top, there's concrete blocks. You see at the bottom, paneling. You know why that paneling's there? cover up the concrete blocks. That's what the purpose of it. Is. It's for decoration. Does it serve a purpose that is necessary? No. It's there for decoration. It's there for good looks, for aesthetics. But you could live here. You could, you could, we could have services without that paneling being there. But you see, these people not only had built their houses... They panel their walls. Now here's a question. If you can't afford to build the temple, how can you afford the extravagant paneling in your houses? You know, paneling, this is not very expensive. But to take a rock home and put paneling inside of it, which was usually some wood that had to be imported from a place like Lebanon, cedar, To line the house was an expensive proposition. They made money, but he said it's like putting it into a bag with holes. Do we possess the same fervor for building the Lord's house as we do our own dwellings? You see, that's a matter of priorities. Do we, and again I'm talking about the church and I'm not talking about the building. Do we possess the same desire to have good here within the Lord's house, the Lord's people, as we do within our own homes? This is really relevant. And so he tells them to ponder this. Consider your ways. Think about what is happening to you and among you. Why can't we get ahead? And God is saying the reason why you can't get ahead is because I am blowing it away. I'm calling for a drought on the land and on the mountains. I'm causing everything that is happening to you to happen for a reason. Because you won't build my house. Is there a cause? Is there a why? Well, certainly there is. God is not a priority in their lives. You see, we've already studied the book of Malachi. And one of the problems was God had to really build a fire under them to get them to build his house. And then God had to build another fire under them to say, Now worship right in my house, in the book of Malachi. There was a pressing need. He said, You need to go to the mountains and get wood. Not only would the temple be constructed out of stone, hewn stone. But the inside of the house would need to have timbers to support the roof. It would need to have timbers to be used in the lining and the doors. And you see, God is saying, "It's you need to go get the materials. You ever thought about that, going and getting the materials? And the reason why is God said, I want to be glorified. That physical building said something. It said that these people made God a priority. There's people who make worship a priority. And there are those who do not. There are those who look at God and say, now tonight I have a choice. I can watch the football game on TV Or I can go and worship and sing praises to God. And some folks says, I think I'll stay at home and watch TV. They're not building the Lord's house. Let's look at verses 12 through 15 and we'll bring this all together. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai, the prophet, as their Lord God had sent him, and the people feared in the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with the spirit of of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, and on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. 24 days later, they're busy. You know, we studied Jonah. Jonah was an effective prophet for God, even if he didn't want to be. Haggai was an effective prophet of God what it brought about was obedience and what he says is these people feared God that is they reverenced him they respected him you know in Exodus 9 and verse 20 but as for you and your servants I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God Moses speaking to Pharaoh when people fear God they obey when people see God for who He is and what He is, they'll do what He tells them to do. The second thing, you have God's favor. God said, I will be with you or I am with you. In Jeremiah forty two eleven, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from His hand. Just like in the Great Commission, when he says to go and to make disciples of all nations in verse 20 teaching them to observe all things i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age god is with us when we obey him and then there was the fervor the people were stirred up the word fervor, the word stir up here means to awaken to revive. I like the way Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 2 puts it. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are, are burned? You see, they're mocking them when they're building the walls And these people have a fervor. Look at how hard they're working. Are they going to try to complete it in one day? We need to be the kind of people who have a fervor, an awakening, a revival that says it's time to build the Lord's house. It would be a travesty to see this message from the prophet as only a historical event. I know sometimes when we study the Old Testament, we try to get the details correct. We try to give you the full picture, and you can say, Well, we studied about the history of, of the peoples. They rebuilt the temple tonight at church. If that's all you got, I, I, I missed doing my job. The people needed stirring up, they needed a revival. Guess what, folks? We become complacent. Everything's too easy for us. Our focus is too much on ourselves and our own wishes, our own desires. We have to develop a fervor for the Lord's work and be busy about it. And just like Haggai says, consider your ways. Examine your priorities. If you'll get your songbook now, we're going to sing the song of encouragement. If you are not a Christian, what greater thing could you do for the Lord's kingdom tonight than to say, I want to be a part of it? You become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing His name and being baptized. If you need more instruction, we'll we'll sit down with you, we'll talk. If you are a Christian and you look at your life and you look and say, I know I'm not living right. We can pray with you. Would you come while we stand and sing?